Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the Where Are My Goods Sports Business Podcast, the Sportacast. Nice. I like that. Mom, I didn't get the Christmas gift I wanted. When did you order it? Or did you not know there are supply chain issues all over? My, you know, Mom, when I watch the NBC Nightly News, I, I see ships sitting off the ports of LA and I can't get the doll I wanted or the sporting equipment that I wanted. Uh, but yes, we do have supply chain issues hitting the sports world. And I was wondering when you know we were going to actually see it funnel all the way down and when it was going to impact stadiums and teams. And here we are, because if you're a fan of the Chicago Sky, for instance, WNBA champions, and you want that championship gear, there just ain't a lot of it to be had. And that's not the only example. There's going to be tons here, Scott. We, we saw Upper Deck last week announced that they were canceling a few of their NFL and NHL releases this year because they did not weren't, weren't able to deliver them on time. They delayed another one. Food is caught up in the supply chain. That goes for buffalo wings and, and chicken wings that you see sold at uh, at arenas. You had a conversation recently, I think, with with uh, with an MLB owner about patches on jerseys. There's there's wait so a minute, much- wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You understand that Nick Peacock Smith, our head of live events, and Todd Barish, our head of sponsorship and partnership. If you just said you had a conversation with an MLB owner and didn't say. It was Dodgers part owner and Lakers part owner, Todd Boley, who, by the way, is participating in our live event Thursday, right? Invest in sports, the big event. You want to name some of the other people that are participating? Danny Garcia, Jerry Cardinal, Alex Rodriguez, Mark Lohr, Steve Greenberg Greenberg from Allen Company, sponsored by Goldman Sachs and O'Melveny. Chuck Baker helped with the conversation with Todd Boley. So, I mean, you're just like, oh, our, our, our pals from Arctos, Doc O'Connor and, and Ian, Charles. So, I mean, oh, yeah, you know, you had a conversation. All right, we got that promo. Check us out Thursday. Go check out the Twitter, the LinkedIn. We've got the link out there. It's a, r- the smartest people in the business talking about investing in sports. That's the kind of stuff I can get into. But one of the things Todd Bowley said that even he, owner of the team, were searching for a jersey with the commemorative patch on it, the postseason patch. For the first time in a decade, baseball didn't have that patch on the arm. And it's due to supply chain issues. Yeah. And this is, it's going to be a bigger and bigger thing. I mentioned the upper deck announcement from last week. Part of the thing in there that they said, they don't expect this to be, things to be ironed out until mid 2022 or later. So this is only going to continue to grow and be a bigger problem. And Scott, it's happening alongside what people are calling now the great resignation, this push away from from a lot of lower income jobs uh, by a lot of Americans at, at this point in the pandemic, which is also affecting a lot of sports teams fairly significantly. That, that includes people who work at arenas, who work in security, who work in concessions, who work as ushers. Um, so these two things combined, it's a little bit under the radar right now. I think it's going to be, start becoming a bigger and bigger deal. But there are a lot of of back-end business headaches that are starting to pop up now as we see massive crowds start returning to arenas and stadiums as we saw in Austin this weekend with the F1 race. 
And if you're really wondering, all right, well, how does that affect me? And I'm glad you brought it up and you said ushers and things because I will not name the arena because it's probably not fair to just name one where I had an experience, but it's probably happening all, all over the place. So uh, I did attend a game recently, certain certain arena. And I can say this, it was a hockey game. And you know the protocol in the NHL that the ushers generally hold the crowd during play. And then when there's a stoppage in play, that's when they allow people to move back and forth. And right, Well, it, there were people walking through during play the entire time, and there were some customers getting upset because, you know, you started hearing like screaming out just out loud at the like the one personnel that was there. Hey, I paid a lot for these seats that I can't see. Sit them down and wait for the stoppage. And I spoke to somebody with, with the organization and was told that normally on game nights, they overstaff just in case people don't show up, which uh, also uh, something they deal with. Well, now, not only do people still not show up who are scheduled, but they're understaffed. They cannot get enough positions. So I saw it firsthand one of the effects of exactly what you talked about, that arena workers are feeling it as well. Yeah, someone told me uh, last week that if you think about this staffing, a lot of times teams will have they'll they'll have X amount of people scheduled to work. Eighty percent of them will show up, and that's your staff. That now almost the percentages are flipped, and of the X amount of people you would normally have working, you have about twenty percent of them working. That might be a little hyperbolic, uh, but there's no question that if you kind of combine these two things, that the fact that a lot of people are walking away from from jobs that are, are pretty critical to, to the to the sports industry, at least. In, in the live event world going off and the problem with the supply chain all the way from raw goods and factories all the way through getting them shipped, getting them unloaded and getting them to consumers' doors. Uh, this is going to be a tandem set of problems that are going to continue to arise. And, and again, we're going to be talking about this well into 2022 and maybe even later. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why they call it a chain because like in Vietnam, it's still COVID related and the factories aren't open, then the shipping ports are backed up. So you have things that goods that are not getting unloaded from ships. Then you have the trucking shortage. You have people can't even get the goods around the country. So yeah, the, the entire you know chain is, is just backed up. And I guess that'll mean like fewer bobbleheads. You know, I guess the Braves had to cancel Austin Riley bobblehead night about a month ago or so. And there, here they are, you know, moving events to the uh, the World Series. Probably easier not to have the bobbleheads. By the way, I took my son and, you know, I use him once again as the focus, focus group, group of one. one. Yeah, yeah. So I took him to a Yankee game not long ago and it was DJ LeMayhew bobblehead. And by the way, I have no idea how, what DJ LeMayhew looks like. So I couldn't tell you like if it was a good one or a bad one. <laughs> but I will tell you that my son had that thing decapitated in about nine seconds. Like no, no, like he was trying to put the bat, he, like the bat was removable and somehow like the head was gone, the bat was broken. And I'm just like, come on, dude, really? Like you, you, you broke this in two seconds, and, but he did. Like somewhere DJ there, had no head. Somewhere there's an NFT investor or an NFT founder that is saying, see, I told you this is the benefit of, of digital collectibles. Well, absolutely. Well, Jacob Feldman wrote a good story about supply chain for us. And if you read the last line, he's like, for Christmas, you know what? Just get the NFT. You know, that, that's pretty much the way to go. And what an easy segue, by the way, to our next. But let's talk about Candy. Candy Digital, collectibles company founded by Fanatics, Mike Novogratz, Gary Vaynerchuk. They raised $100 million at, and I, I mean, I just chuckled the valuations these days because like this company really hasn't done much. It's like the collectible card too. One and a half billion dollar valuation, but it's on the promise of what will be. 
It's it's pretty re- remarkable if you think about the entire Fanatics ecosystem, Scott. In August of 2020, so a little bit over a year ago, 15 months ago, they raised money at, at a $6.2 billion valuation. Flash forward uh, to September, Fanatics just raised money at an $18 billion valuation. In addition to that, they have a new trading card company raise money at a $10.4 billion valuation and Candy Digital, they're the majority majority owner of this NFT company, uh, $1.5 billion valuation. So very, very quickly in the past 12 months or so, Michael Rubin's company has scaled up significantly from a capital standpoint. Um, they are spreading their wings into other industries, including trading cards, NFTs, sports betting coming down the pipe soon. Ticketing media might not be far behind. Let, it. let, let me make a sports analogy here, okay? I mean, because you brought up the F1 race in, in Austin. I'm going to make a sports analogy. Somebody's leading the pack, right? And they're driving at like 200 miles an hour, looking in the rearview mirror. And like Michael Rubin's driving the car that is like a, a maybe a million, you know, a, just a, an inch from the bumper and maybe even bumping a little bit like let me through. That is the sports analogy of what's going on with Fanatics. Yeah. And we know the Michael Rubin growth playbook here. He did it with Fanatics. It is partnering with the, the biggest rights holders in, in the U.S. That's the big leagues, the teams, et cetera. And it's offering them equity. It, it is offering them a, a chunk of the company that they can continue to grow as the company grows. The stake that these leagues have invested also grows. He's doing that with Candy. He's doing that with the trading cards. Um, Peyton Manning, I believe, is another investor in in Candy. So he, he's, he's signing up big name stakeholders that are going to catch eyes in, in the industry while also giving all these all these leagues a, a reason to stick with him and, and to help the business grow. Um, and that's especially important, I think, in NFTs because unlike trading cards where he's essentially snatched up a bunch of licensing rights and, and and really put the incumbents on their on their heels. NFTs doesn't really have that set of incumbents that, that you've known and, and names you're comfortable with for the past They're not old 20 enough to years. have incumbents. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So so he's competing here with companies like So Rare, which we talked about recently, DraftKings, which has a has a marketplace. Tom Brady has Autograph, which is its own NFT platform. Um, it, it's a different industry in NFTs because it's so young, as you said, as opposed to trading cards, where you have to kind of pry these licenses away from companies who've had them for multiple decades. But you do see who really believes in which space because like SoftBank was an investor here in Candy Digital. SoftBank also an investor in SoRare. And how dare you mention SoRare without saying hello to our friend Michael Meltzer, took over US operations, ahead of business ops over there. Now we'll find out if he listens to the show. You better let us know, Mike. <laughs> you, you better let us know. But yeah, like you said, it's the playbook. What, what, what they have at Fanatics is an incredibly big user database. Like we, and that's what that's what like just like the straight off like the list of people they have that engage in the fanatics universe and that can now be utilized in these other businesses as the core of whether it's ecom which we know that was like the core business of fanatics you know you you need a t-shirt you go to fanatics right or now whether it's NFTs or whether it's going to be sports betting and whether there's going to be second screen third screen all in the same place Michael Rubin is putting himself at the centerpiece of everything that sports fans do. Right. So I don't know when the Fanatics chicken wings are coming, but it can't be too far behind. But I wouldn't be surprised. Like somehow, some way, that's all incorporated because that's like, you know, that that retail food component, like food and drink, high margins, Michael, just like not not where he is yet. But somehow I I think he's somehow planning an attempt. Absolutely. So Candy Digital right now has has Major League Baseball and they've done a few NFTs with, with some college uh, football quarterbacks as well. Scott, did you watch the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers versus the Chicago Bears this weekend? 
Uh, I think you know the answer to that. I spent most of my weekend in an ice rink. My son back on the ice after three plus weeks of recovery from a broken wrist. So off I you know, are little little rusty, but three two victory in the first game back. So uh, well done, Jackson. Was uh, Doctor no, James was, Andrews a uh, an advisor on that injury? Injury? Yeah, I, I, no, no. But I, I will tell you though, amazingly, like people, the young kids healing. The the ortho did bring up his X ray from three weeks ago, and you see the break. I mean, clear as day. Here's the break in the bone. He's like, here's your X ray today. Nothing. Like cannot see. Not, it look look perfect. He's like, that's what we're hoping for. I thought there'd be some rehab. He's like, no, no, no. Whatever he wants to do, he's fine. Go, just go do it. So anyway, he, he's back on the ice. It's good. So I got home late and uh, you know, there's food. There's getting him ready. And then once the New York Islanders are playing the Vegas Golden Knights, that's on, uh, that's on my TV. So uh, I did not. But if you're like a lot of people and I'm watching one game, but I do during commercial breaks, tend to check my social media, I can find out that you know Tom Brady got 600 touchdown passes and you know oops the teammate gave the ball to someone in the crowd so i think that's where you're going so but that, i didn't know about is, it but i didn't see it exactly where i'm going so so Tom Brady as you said through the first quarterback to throw 600 touchdown passes uh Mike Evans who caught the ball i guess didn't realize that it was a milestone handed it to 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 a fan in the crowd um the the team it seems like wanted that ball back i i don't know if that's for its own purposes or because it has sentimentality to Tom. Uh, but the, the 29 year old, his name's Byron Kennedy who received the ball willing to give it back to the team. They seem to have worked out a, a, a potential deal where they were going to do some things for him, including it sounds like a signed Jersey. Uh, but that ball is worth a lot of money. Uh, our colleagues, Eric Jackson, uh, talked to uh, an auction house. Uh, Ken, Ken Golden. Ken Golden, who said that, yeah, that could be worth $500,000, maybe even double that if it ever went to an auction. Um, and a lot of people now saying that this guy got, got a raw deal, that maybe he shouldn't have handed the ball over so easily. Well, yes. <laughs> but... And I, I don't want to just look at it as, you know, dollars and cents. Remember, by the way, the baseball play where Benny Agbayani gave the ball to someone in the crowd, but it was only two outs. And then he realized that everyone's like still running around the bases. He like jumped in and grabbed the ball back. Oh, that's like, I, I, I was I was waiting like that should have happened here. Like somebody's like, dude, that was like 600 for Tom. And you don't want Tom mad at you if you, you know, so he maybe should have like jumped in and grabbed the ball back. But. You can look at it straight up. I want to sign Jersey. I, I want this. I want to meet. I want to say hello. All that. I hope that this guy, what's his name? The 29-year-old guy who got Byron the Byron Kennedy. All right, Byron, if you are a listener to the Sportacast, and I hope you are, listen to what we said at the top of this show. We're, we're talking about Candy Digital. We're talking about NFTs. Let's think like Tom here. So there's two things I, I would kind of go to Tom, and I think he'd respect it, right? I'm like, all right, first, what I want to do is create a moment with you. Me giving you the ball back. Like me, you, um, maybe, maybe Bob Kraft, and sort of like a little ceremony of me giving you the ball. And we create a one of one NFT of the moment. And as part of that NFT, you also get, and at, at your call, whenever you want it, a one hour passing lesson, a football passing lesson from Tom Brady. That's part of it. So there's great value there. You know, there's a lot of people who would also pay for that. And I think Tom would like the creativity. And on top of that, if I may, why don't you throw in a Bitcoin? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? What's the price of Bitcoin now? Where are we? 67, oh, 66? No I, yeah, I, 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 67, 66. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll say ballpark 67, 66. All right. So I'm not being greedy, greedy going for the 500K that it's worth, but I'm playing in your space, Tom. 
I'm showing you I like what you're doing. And that's the way I want to settle it. I think Tom would like it. I think he'd go for it. And Tom does have that, has autograph. He has that, uh, that NFT company. I, I had a different kind of thought here, which, which may actually mesh with your thought. Somebody should, some lawyer should have a hotline for what you do when you catch a ball that might be valuable and, and you need Beijing a little Garrett bit of, yeah, 1-800-I caught it. You call and you say, hey, I just got this ball. I think it's valuable. The team wants me to give it up. What do I do? I imagine this was all a total whirlwind for this guy and he didn't really think about what he had. I am, Scott, I, I'm kind of fascinated. You've written a number of these stories, the World Series ball, which the first baseman now seems to kind of conveniently tuck in his pocket. You yep. see it in, in NHL, Stanley Cup winning goals. Someone grabs the puck, right? Right before the celebration starts, the ownership of ball pieces of memorabilia in in big moments totally fascinates me because as we've as we've said this this ball could have potentially auctioned for a million dollars if it went for sale. Uh, who owns it? Does the team own it? Do the does the player who ends up with it after the celebration? owns it. There's obviously a huge opportunity here if a team wanted to just start selling as much as they could from, from each game. I imagine that there, 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 there's a market for, for that, at least in, in the near term. Um, but this idea that as right now we're in this moment where collectibles are, are so hot in the sports world and, and as these things become more and more valuable, the idea of, of who owns something that gets used in, in, the, in the course of play and who can then sell it off, I find to be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you this: the players don't any of it. they don't own any of it. So it, it, like, it's team and league, right? Yeah. It, like, if I'm the Boston Red Sox and we finally win the World Series after you know, ending that drought, that last ball belongs to the Boston Red Sox, even if the player tucks it in the pocket. Same with the Chicago Cubs. Whether or not the team wants to pursue it and say we'd like to put it in our museum, we'd like it to go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think they probably could exert those rights, paging Mike McCann. Right? We got to we got to get the McCann and see what he says. But yeah, the players don't own any of it. Frankly, I'm not even sure they own their uniforms. Well, that's, I think, it, so I think I was, that's theme property as well. I was going to move a little bit lower than the uniform, but if if Tom and Tom Brady doesn't need the money, obviously, but if he wanted to sell the gloves, the socks, the shoes he was wearing yesterday, if Mike Evans, who's not as big a name as Tom Brady, obviously wanted to sell the gloves that caught Tom Brady's 60th, uh, 600th career touchdown pass, it seems like there is potentially a, a bigger industry here or a bigger marketplace if players and teams okayed these transactions. A bigger opportunity to just auction it all off at all the time. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, and I'm not even going to the Google, so if I am mistaken, I'm sure plenty of people will tell me, but if I'm not mistaken, Emmett Smith used to keep every one of his touchdown footballs and like kind of take it off the field, put it in a trunk for like, he kept them all. And I believe, don't hold me to this. This is the part I'm, I'm double shaking on this one. I don't know if it went for his charitable endeavors or if he just wanted to keep them and like knew they'd be value down the line. But I, I, I do seem to recall Emmett Smith did keep every single one of his touchdown footballs and nobody made a beef. You know, it's like, I think now if you celebrate and you throw a football into the crowd during an NFL game, I think you get fined the price of the football. I, I really do believe the NFL <laughs> finds you like a hundred bucks for the price of a football. $55. That would be fun in baseball too. Like enough of these foul balls. Like you have to put the ball in play. You get three freebies and then you start getting fined for every foul ball into the crowd. Well, that would be fun. I mean, you bring up a good and interesting case here with Emmett Smith. I mean, theoretically, if you're saying that the, the, the team or the league owns those balls, someone at the Cowboys was giving him 
yes. telling him it was okay to take those balls okay back. Yes. If Emmett Smith turns around and sells the collection of 150, I don't know how many touchdowns he scored, the, the collection of 250 balls suddenly for $20 million, do the the Cowboys like, wait a second, we, did, we didn't give you to those to, to profit off them 20 years later. We gave them for your personal collection. Best segue in the history of the Sportacast. Eben, let's just say he does sell it for that sort of nominal fee. We've seen the valuations on these teams, five, six billion dollars. It wouldn't phase Jerry Jones at all. Take it away, my friend. There you go. Uh, so we'll, we'll close the show with a little esports. Uh, phase Clan, uh, which is an esports brand, I would argue, I think they would argue also, Scott, more of a digital media company and a lifestyle uh, brand as well, uh, is going public. Uh, they're the latest SPAC deal we've seen in the sports uh, and esports world. Uh, they're merging with B. Riley Principal 150 Merger Corp. The interesting number here, Scott, the Face Clan, when it does hit the public markets, valuation is going to be around a billion dollars. Um, to put that in context, we've talked about the valuations for traditional sports teams that Sportico has done. The average NHL team is worth about $950 million. Uh, the average MLS team is about five fifty. dollars uh, FaZe Clan would automatically, if, if you were to rank them kind of inside the five major leagues that we've already done, uh, would be in the, in the top 100 easily uh, of sports teams in the U.S. just with that valuation. Kind of an eye-popping one right now for esports. You know what else is eye-popping? The gold eyes that that Brady uses for Bitcoin on his avatars. <laughs> so I'm just checking price of, uh, of Bitcoin about 63,000. So if my 29 okay. year old yeah, guy right says, hey, Tommy, you know, how about you give me one Bitcoin? Uh, we make an NFT with an hour throwing lesson. There's some great value there. So we'll see which way it goes. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick at Soshnick. Our social media editor is Corder Veltman. She loves it when I tell you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Podcast Network. <laughs>